We're currently witnessing the rise of edge computing as local devices that capture and store data become more ubiquitous. In fact, a report by F5 on the state of application strategy for 2021 states that there is now an overwhelming interest in the edge, with 76% of respondents already using it or planning to use it. This is driven by the need to improve application performance, provide real-time computing, data collection, analytics, and more. In this round of cocktails, our guest gives us a glimpse of what's ahead for edge computing and we discuss the various use cases for it, the main drivers for its adoption, and how organizations can potentially improve security when you place your systems closer to the edge. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails, a podcast by Toro Cloud. Here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Joining us as always from Sydney, Australia is ToroCloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hi, David. How are you doing? G'day, Kevin. All right. And our guest for today is responsible for education and evangelism of application services available across F5's entire product suite. Her role includes authorship of technical materials and participation in a number of community-based forums and industry standards organizations, amongst other efforts. She currently focuses on cloud computing infrastructure, DevOps, data center architecture, and security-related topics. Prior to joining F5, she was an award-winning technology editor at Network Computing Magazine, and most recently, she was named one of WizLab's top global cloud thought leaders and next-generation leaders of 2021. Joining us today for an edgy round of cocktails is Lori McVitie. Hi, Lori. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails. How are you? Hey, thank you for having me. I am doing really well, uh, especially after that pun. That was that was awesome. It set the tone for the entire <laughs> podcast, I think. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about edge computing today as yes, with the edgy pun. So, But I don't think uh, I'm not equipped enough to explain that to you. That's why we have Lori over here on the show. So uh, let's jump right in. I think some people would be confused between the... Uh, edge computing and a content distribution network, or even simply having regional data centers for different geographic markets. So can you please tell us what edge computing is and where exactly is the edge of the internet? Wow. Um, I, I always like to say that the edge of the internet is right next to the restaurant at the end of the universe. So Hitchhiker's Guide, right? It's, <laughs> it's out there, right? It really, it really yeah. is. Um, but it's, that's, it's somewhat accurate. I mean, the edge is, I mean, it's in my closet on the other side of this wall. It could be on my phone, could be on the devices that are operating my fish tank right now. Um, more likely it's going to be in a retail shopping center or under a cell tower, but it's going to be closer than a regional data center. And that's, that's really what you know our options are right now, right? Is regional data centers. Um, there are cloud data centers all over in many regions uh, that help us distribute globally, and right then you have your you know centralized data center. So 
you know, the edge is, is really pushing um, out to where the users of applications might be. And whether that user is a device or a human being or, uh, you know, on a manufacturing floor is another interesting discussion. The difference between, right, it's not uh, between a CDN and Edge is really, CDN is has a focus and it it evolved out of a need to deliver content. That's why it's called a content distribution network. Back when applications were, you know, a lot of JPEGs and some text and boom, that was it, right? Blink tag was your most animated thing you could do and, and horrible thing you could right. do, by the <laughs> way. I've never used, used as well. well. <laughs> yeah, no blink tag. Um, and that, you know, that started to, to evolve around 10 or so years ago as people realized there was both the capability and the need for certain types of application services spread more out across the internet. That's why we see a lot of security like DDoS and DNS protection right out at the, you know, at the, where the CDNs used to be. Um, because they, it was a natural extension of what they did. But what we're moving to at the edge is about application and data distribution. And that requires kind of a different model. And it includes endpoints like devices and things that have never been included in the solution before. So it's, it's really changing how we deliver applications and content and data. That makes it much clearer. And, and you mentioned a, a few applications. I'd like to dive more into those applications. So you mentioned the manufacturing floor. You mentioned retail and Internet of Things type devices like your fish tank. So can you, can you dive more into the applications of uh, edge computing and what, what, what is actually running on there now and, and the expectation of what's going to be running on there in the future? Wow. In the future, a lot more. Right now, not as much, but but there are quite a few out there, um, especially in certain industries. I attended a, an oil and gas automation uh, conference. These exist. It was very good. Uh, AI, ML, data, and the edge were all a significant part of all of these sessions because if you have someplace remote that you can't get to, of course, there's automation. But you also need to have more data and you also have to need, have something that's more responsive, right? Can it reboot things remotely and, and actually take action? So these kind of applications are getting pushed closer to the devices and equipment that actually need the information to act on or to be told to act because a lot of times in, these could be in the middle of the ocean. Um, it takes you a few days to get there, I hear. So sending a person out, you know, being on call for that is probably not your ideal job. Nobody told you that would be necessary. So those kind of applications are already in use at the edge. Um, of course, you see things like home automation, right? And uh, even so the difference between a Philips Hue light bulb can be connected to with my app, right? I can pick up my phone and I can control that light bulb. Now you have the bridges that can actually connect multiple lights and multiple rooms and start controlling them that way. And it can actually talk to the Philips cloud and be able to bring down special kinds of lighting configurations for holidays. So I don't have that's, to do it myself. 
that's an interesting example. A lot of people would be familiar with the Hue lighting system. So you would class that under edge computing? I would class, yes. Uh, I think it would all fit under edge computing, but particularly the bridge, right? Yes. It's a little beefier. It's running an application. Mm. Uh, the question is, right, can I run an app on it or could someone else or is it you know, very specialized? But it is an application. Uh, mm. People do it with Raspberry Pis. Right. And uh, Arduino, right, all the time, they have these very small amounts of compute that they put a specific app on and then run it in their home, right, or at the cabin, uh, maybe in their car if they're really lucky. Um, so those kind of things become, right, the edge. Uh, and that extra compute or the ability to run the app there is very important to the concept of being able to leverage it for other purposes like business, right? We think, you know, how am I going to get my app out here? Well, you know, that's probably not going to happen tomorrow, but that is a, a future view is if we can run all of these other kinds of applications on these devices in very small confined areas, why can't we do that with applications that need it? Why does the retail store need to have constant connectivity with corporate headquarters, wherever that is. And why is it when that connection is lost, I can't get my groceries? I don't like this situation. Why don't you have a more local version of whatever application you need? And it can synchronize with corporate at different times, but make sure that everyone local can actually buy their groceries. Yeah, this concept of synchronization with corporate, like so that, that coming back to that analogy of the Hue lighting system, you, you said like you we have a bridge device locally, which obviously we're, you know is managing some data and some of the form of the application of the home automation of the lighting system, but it is communicating with the cloud-based system as well. So there is some sort of isolation between the responsibilities of data of the edge device and cloud still, right? So is that right? Yes, I, I think that's a, a very general statement, but true. Um, what I've been kind of focusing on as I can get the, uh, the time to do it is the different types of edge application patterns that are out there, because there are very distinct patterns already emerging around devices that we use. Almost all of them take advantage of the cloud somehow, whether it's just to manage configuration or it's actually controlling my device. I have a variety of devices that each interact with the cloud and themselves in different ways. So I think there's a very specific set of patterns that we'll be able to apply that will depend on what kind of connectivity you expect to have, what kind of data you need, and what kind of responsiveness you need with respect to that data. Um, some things require very quick intervention or notification. Um, other things, not so much, right? You can wait uh, for that. So that will all play into which of these edge application patterns you may want to apply for your specific use case. Uh, I'd like to take a couple more of those use cases of the, we talked about retail and the manufacturing floor. Can, can you can you just give it a couple of examples how they would be used in those environments? Oh, they would be used in those environments? In retail or well, just in- You mentioned that well, there's, you said particularly, let's focus on the manufacturing floor. You said the manufacturing floor is an interesting use case. So what are you seeing happening there? 
That is mostly the case of there's a lot of devices and sensors that are monitoring equipment. I don't know if you've ever been um, on the floor of a uh, a foundry, a manufacturing plant that makes, say, toilet paper, because that's very there's a lot of that in uh, in my area. There are the machines that have taken over to actually do most of that work are incredible. Right, they do almost everything, but they also need constant supervision. Who knew? Machines need supervision. There are sensors and monitors that are constantly gathering information, data about the temperature, about the operation. How much oil is in this one? Does this need lubrication? How long has it been working? All that data has to go somewhere to, right, basically to the edge. There's an application that's gathering it all, analyzing it, and sending out warnings or, hey, it's almost time for maintenance, right, whatever. Um, but it's also, right, a point of alert. If something happens, it can also turn off a machine, which when you have people and machines mixed together, especially if you're cutting things like cardboard or paper, um, there's a potential for right, real harm to be done. So they have to be able to react and say, turn that off now stop that, alert someone. So they need to be able to react very quickly. That is not something you want to have disassociated from the actual location. You don't want that even regional, right? You certainly don't want it in a data center across the world. It needs to be close because you can't take the chance that that communication might fail because people's lives are on the line. Uh, the healthcare industry is also very much the same, right? They are, telehealth is one of the biggest growing smart things and use of these kinds of technologies, but also at the edge because hospitals are local and regional and then, the, right, there's the big ones. So you need to be able to have this kind of uh, functionality closer to where you are, especially if you live in the middle of the woods, two hours from a regional hospital and all you have is a very small one. If they have the ability to do a lot of this processing and, and manage it locally, then they can respond much faster, make better diagnoses, make decisions faster that allow them to maybe send someone onto a regional hospital or let them stay, depending on how fast they can get that answer and whether that impacts the prognosis. So it, there's I don't think there's an industry that won't find a use case for the edge. Um, it's just a, a matter of right where that is. Right now, it's very focused on devices because that's the most obvious. And there's a whole lot of use of applications and devices that I guess aren't time critical because they haven't had that yet. Because most of the time we see things, we see devices and they talk to the cloud. It's not always the most responsive. It's not always gonna give you good performance and get a response back timely enough. So the capability to do it at the edge is actually going to drive development of those new use cases because they can trust that it's going to be fast enough and that it can, right, is gonna have good connectivity because it's local. Speaking of that connectivity and, and, and speed, I'm guessing the 5G is, is driving a, a, a adoption of 
edge computing, uh, particularly in those public devices, like you say, telemedicine and the like. Uh, obviously, on the factory floor, you could probably still rely on Wi-Fi networks and the like. But is that what you're seeing? Is 5G is is uh, is driving adoption? I think 5G is uh, enabling development of solutions to those use cases that is driving adoption. So it it is, but it isn't. It's one of the enablers, and it it has to be because that's one of the other things that has kind of driven that evolution from CDN to service delivery to application delivery is that networks for us have always been asymmetrical. I could always pull more than I could push. So it we had to take advantage of it. And our solutions were based on that being kind of the way things were. Um, 5G says, no, it's going to be the same pulling or pushing, download or upload, which is very important since we know that the number one, I think, traffic source um, downstream is like YouTube and Netflix and streaming services. And the number one upstream is like TikTok or Instagram, right? It's the where I'm taking a video and I'm pushing it. These are very chunky uh, pieces of content that we're throwing around. So you really need symmetry in your bandwidth so that nothing gets you know lost basically or, or pushed out um, on the way down or up. So 5G is going to make sure that happens, but also that all the other things that need that network can use it. So hopefully, you know, if you don't have four teenagers in your house, I think 5G is going to work for you. If you have more kids, sorry, your bandwidth is going to be gone. That's it. Uh, so we have to just wait for six. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about um, uh, F5's acquisition of Volterra, if we can. Um, so uh, can you tell us, this was a major acquisition. Can you tell us the reason behind this acquisition and, and what you're looking forward to from that partnership? Can I say because we didn't have a V? We had an F and an N and an S. We're looking, we bought a V. <laughs> we bought a V like on a you know, Wheel of Fortune. So Volterra um, actually solves multiple challenges. Uh, that we see in the market that we wanted to accelerate. We know that managing applications and multiple environments across more than one cloud has been a challenge for people. We do a survey every year and they told us, this is hard, we don't like it, it's a challenge for us because every cloud has its own API, its own console, its own model and way that you manage it. So if you have more than one, you've got a lot of complexity trying to figure out how do I make this one thing work the same in two different environments using two different systems. It's very difficult. So Volterra, uh, by virtue of its ability to virtualize cloud, public clouds and private clouds, its own data centers, uh, it basically says, you all look the same to me. So I can deploy on all of the clouds if I want, and I'm assured that it's all going to look the same. I know how to do it, no matter what cloud it is. You could start a cloud tomorrow, and if Volterra supported it, I could use it. That would be awesome. So it solved a multi-cloud challenge, but it's also edge. So we see that future of edge really growing, that it's going to continue to expand, that as 5G continues to broaden and get more uh, adoption, it's going to result in even more applications and users and things. And we wanted to make sure that we had a way 
to actually build solutions that took into consideration all of the things about application delivery that F5 knows really well, like security, optimization, um, you know, how to scale it, those kinds of you know, things that F5 has done really well for years. We want to be able to extend that to the edge wherever applications may go. So Volterra lets us do that and solve the multi-cloud challenge at the same time. So we, we like where it's going and we're hoping to be able to continue to do right, those kinds of services atop it and be able to respond more quickly to other needs and other services that people might find they need as you know, edge starts to evolve because there will be new services no one's thought of yet where we say, wow, we need that. So let's go build stuff. Yeah, and because there are a number of challenges, right? So, uh, you you know, part of cloud adoption, the attractiveness of cloud adoption is you're pushing responsibility of the management of your servers out into the cloud. It sounds a lot like when you're bringing devices uh, and uh, possibly servers, even if they're small servers, back to the edge is now I have more responsibility managing all these devices. I have security issues. I have uh, where data is residing and privacy issues. Uh, uh, you recently published a state of the application strategy for 2021. You've found out how organizations are facing difficulty managing the security of their applications in today's multi-cloud environments. As cloud allows for data to be closer to users, can it improve the way organizations are implementing security? Wow. That seems like a loaded question. It, it really, <laughs> can it? <laughs> Don't make Go it ahead. easy for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to reach way back into my memory to like 2009 when we started having discussions about cloud and security and uh, Christopher Hoff, uh, Beaker, <laughs> if you know him, he's really brilliant in terms of security, but someone asked the same question about cloud, right? Is cloud really secure or can cloud really help? And you know, it comes back, I think, with Edge to the same answer he gave, which is if your security practices are good now, then as you go to the edge, they're going to be good. Um, if they're not so good, well, I, you can see they're not going to be so good no matter where you are. So a big chunk of this depends on security practices. And no matter how good the solution in Edge, um, you can't force someone to adopt those security practices. Uh, as we've seen so many cloud misconfigurations of S3 buckets have caused so many breaches. That's not a problem with cloud or, or cloud security. It's a problem with right, people and process and practices. So could Edge improve security? Yes. You know, will it? That's, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we also don't know yet necessarily what new challenges Edge will bring. There's a lot of chatter about being able to do more P2P, right? So more peer-to-peer -peer, uh, applications and uses um, on the edge. If we're all on the edge and we can all run apps, we can all be peer-to-peer -peer or sharing, right? What kind of security risks is that going to introduce that we haven't considered yet? Probably going to. So yeah, you raise some very valid points there. You're saying, however, it could improve security. Okay, how? So I think because at least from our perspective, one of the things that 
we want to make sure as we move forward is that a lot of the security is in the platform. So it's not a bolt-on, it's not an add-on, that it's there and it always moves with the application. So that no matter where it goes, it's getting the same security and the same protections, whether that's across clouds or just from one edge location to another. So building that kind of security in or enabling that will help improve security in the sense that it's there and it's easy to put in. Right? We all know that security is, is often a, nobody likes it because it's hard. It blocks me. It slows me down. There's a gate. Somebody wants a test. I don't like this. I'm going home. Right. I don't, I still haven't finished my latest secure development lifecycle training. I'm sorry. Um, right. So there, I mean, and that's true. And I am sorry, but right, we do, we put that off. And, and we do that in the in, in the cloud, and we'll probably do it in the edge. So if we build it in and make it easier to use, then I think we'll see better adoption of it, which will ultimately lead to more security or more secure applications and, and conversations as they move around. Um, second, you mentioned the privacy of data, right? That is a big deal. Um, right now that prevents a lot of movement of data out of certain regions in the world. Um, and we're going to see that at the edge, that will get even trickier. But sometimes having to pay more attention to the data and where it is and who has access to it will result in better security naturally because you'll pay more attention to it. Right? Data is something we've never really paid attention to as an industry, right? It's always been in that database somewhere and we just, whatever. It was locked behind a firewall inside a mainframe. It was safe. Now it's coming out in the world and we're gonna have to start paying attention to it. And that should, draw a little more attention to the security of it and how we protect it. Because it's no longer just our you know, customer data and transactions. I mean, that's my personal private data, my health data, my kids' pictures. I mean, this stuff is important. I don't want that out in the wild. So as I understand it, that private data can stay on the edge. And if we need uh, analytics and, and, and the like in the cloud, what we can do is just send back the anonymized data or the aggregated data, as opposed to sending back the private data and then anonymizing it or aggregating it. That would make it safer, yes, right? If it was anonymized first, distilled down. Mm. Um, there's a, one of the edge patterns is really focused on just that kind of use case, whether you're analyzing and distilling it so that you're not saving as much you know, if I'm generating, if I'm a sensor and I'm generating data, status data, every second, do you really need to store that all in the cloud? Does somebody have a calculator? How much is that going to cost? I, and just for me, right, that's, that's not feasible. It doesn't make sense for the provider and it doesn't make sense for me. But, right, if you have something at the edge that is looking at that status data to make decisions and then distilling it down, right? Anonymizing it, aggregating it, doing some of the processing at the edge, it can then send that back maybe once an hour or even once a day. So it's going to be more cost effective and it's also going to be more secure because you're not constantly sending something back and forth and sending everything back and forth. So I think you have a good point. That's one of the ways that it will make kind of our data a little more secure because we'll do more processing of it 
before it ever gets to wherever it's ultimately going. F5 is talking a lot about Edge 2.0. So uh, from my reading on uh, from F5, they talk about version one was basically CDN networks and the evolution of CDN. 1.5 is where it became a bit smarter with applications. And now uh, F5 is promoting this concept of uh, Edge 2.0. Uh, and uh, one of the concepts inside there is the unified control plane. So I, I'm, uh, I'd like to talk about more about that because there seems like to me with all of these devices on the perimeter, you're going to have this huge management headache. Uh, is that what we're talking about with Edge 2.0 and the unified control plane? At the moment, what we're talking about is across clouds and environments, right? Any cloud, any edge, wherever we might be able to virtualize a resource and make it part of um, what's really more of a, an intelligent mesh than uh, you know any kind of specific environment. So the control plane across that that's part of what would enable you to be able to just deploy anywhere and not have to worry about it. It's one control plane for all environments. But yeah, then you get into the application space. Well, where, how are you going to do that? And it's got to extend to that, to the entire application management and all of the different services that are included in it. You have to be able to have one control plane and a consistent set of right policies in order to improve your security and actually control things in a way that makes sense. Because you're right, we're not only distributing applications, but we're also talking about uh, decomposing them in, in a lot of ways, which is going to create more things you have to manage, more points of you know, potential failure, and also more points of potential attack. So unifying the control plane is going to provide people who are actually using edge, better control, more consistent control. Um, and it makes it easier also for us to be able to provide the kind of services that are needed to protect against all those things because it's unified and it's always the same. And this unified control plane, is that through part of the acquisition of the Volterra? Volta I think Volterra is the start of it because it already does the multi-cloud and allows you to do that. It has that abstraction layer. Um, we don't have that, of course, right, integrated to everything F5 does yet, let alone, um, uh, you know, enabling an ecosystem, which ultimately I think you have to do is enable others because, I mean, F5 is great and everybody wants to use it, but we don't do everything. Uh, so you're going to need something else. So that's going to have to be opened up eventually so people can actually, right, attach, bolt on, um, offer new services as well. So Multi-cloud right now, but not not everything yet. Interesting times. I mean, uh, the there is so much to edge computing, and we're still in the infancy here. Uh, massive growth area. You, Laurie, you have a real knack for distilling something quite complex into very simple, easy to understand terms. I can see you've been at F five for. A number of years. Um, right? Yeah, 14 in, in real life, which is like a thousand in technology years. Right? There's not many people that could say they've been in the same company no. for 14 years now. 
<laughs> but I can see why they want to hang on to you because, as I said, as an evangelist of, of F5's products and services and the technology underlying and, and what you're doing there, you're very talented and good at uh, explaining it. Thank you so much for your time on our podcast today. Uh, where can our listeners uh, follow you and learn more about what you're writing and talking about? Well, first, thank you for inviting me and letting me talk for however long we've been talking. Um, I actually don't like to talk, so it's really weird that I do like to talk when I'm doing this. So um, <laughs> so thank you for letting me do that. Um, people can find me on Twitter at L McVitie. Um, same on LinkedIn. Um, F5 does have a, a blog, but it's you know, it's a long URL, so I hate to like, you know, try and spell it out, but you can find them. I do share them on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. And of course, the uh, F5, you know, corporate social media will always share that content out. Good. Thank you very much, Lori. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Coding Over Cocktails. To our listeners, what did you think of this episode? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there, because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers! <laughs>